This episode of the Unravel podcast is recorded and produced on the lands and waterways of Wajak Noongar Butcha. I acknowledge Wajak Noongar of the Bibbulmun Nation as the traditional and ongoing custodians and original storytellers of the lands, waterways and skies on which I live and work on and look up to. And I pay my deepest respects to their elders past, present and future. And through them extend my deepest respect and solidarity to all Aboriginal and Zenith Kess peoples. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Unravel podcast. I hope that you've been keeping well since we last met. It has been a long cold season, Ken, and truthfully, that's why it took so long for me to release the rest of season one. I told you, gang, that I just do not function without the right type of sun, but we move <laughs> and so does the sun. So here I am alive and thriving during Canberrang, watching all the beautiful yellows and reds bloom during this beautiful birthing season. Can you hear the birds and crickets outside my window? I, uh, I think they're happy that the warm season is upon us too. <laughs> now, before I continue, I want to give a very brief shout out to our first patron, Hanel. Thank you for your support, my sister. I love and appreciate you so much. Hanel is the founder and director of Culture Factory, who are the producers of Sis, a Polynesian comedy show and last week they leaked the first season of sis direct to vimeo as a protest and assertion of their story sovereignty you can watch the explainer video and sign a petition via the links in their social media which i will also drop in the show notes the petition is a call for an industry-wide hui with new zealand ministers to address systemic discrimination in the screen sector in aotearoa very important very worthy cause the Unravel podcast and Studio King Gainga stand in solidarity with Culture Factory and all Indigenous storytellers worldwide who refuse to buckle to the pressures of capitalism. In honour of our Culture Factory Gainga, I'm going to pay it forward and offer a free copy of Barry Barclay's book, Māori Treasures and Intellectual Property Rights, to one listener worldwide. Simply sign up to our newsletter and look out for the info to enter and I will draw at random a name and announce them via our newsletter in a week or so. So I'll drop the link to the newsletter um, sign up form in the show notes as well. This episode is unbelievably timely considering all of that. It touches on the next bone of my tohuinga o hetanga spine, collective ownership. And it asserts all storytellers have the right to own and interpret the story that is collectively created. Collectivity versus individualism is the game. Kin. When you watch a show in theatre, or screen, unless it is collaboratively devised work in the indie sector where everyone does everything, within the titles or in the program you'll read director, writer, actor. 
actor, producer, line producer, et cetera, et cetera, as titles that denote responsibilities. Encoded into these titles is a hierarchical system of governance, and there is an entire world of geopolitical strategy that is deployed over negotiating this territory because in the world of industry, credits are not just cultural capital but money capital. Collectivism favours the needs, desires of a group over the individual. So what happens if we exploded that paradigm and normalised turning actors into writers, writers into directors, etc.? How do we continue to sharpen our harmony line to the tune of collectivism? In Tokilao, we have a practice called Inatsi, something that we are known for, where our, our manga group of men, fathers, uncles, go out to the sea and they fish for the village. And when they return, what is caught is distributed equally amongst the village, amongst every household, regardless of whether you are a widow, you have children, 10 children, no children. Inati makes sure that no one goes hungry. And now Inati is still practiced in Tokelau and in diaspora, and it's shifted and changed with the times. It's something that I have experienced and participated in, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that cultural practice. This way of life, of sharing our resources, is at the heart of this bone. How does collectivism and show credits connect to story sovereignty, you're thinking? Hmm, well... Terry Jenke, who is Meriam and a Wudathi woman, developed a 10 principle framework, which is also now an incredible book called True Tracks. And I'll put a link to this incredible book in the show notes. And True Tracks unfolds how to respectfully and ethically engage with Indigenous, cultural, and intellectual property, also known as ICIP. This book was the first time I came across ICIP. Terry Jenke also drafted the Indigenous Cultural Protocols for the Australia Council, which is Australia's national arts body, as guidelines for engaging with First Nations arts. ICIP is a term used globally to refer to the basic human rights of Indigenous peoples to protect their cultural heritage and expressions and traditional knowledges based on the right to self-determination. And it encompasses artistic, literary and performance works, Indigenous languages, different types of knowledge, tangible and intangible cultural property, Indigenous ancestral remains and genetic materials, cultural and environmental resources, sites of Indigenous significance, and documentation of Indigenous heritage and history. Matua Moana Jackson, who was Ngati Kahungunu and Ngati Poro, led the working group that was tasked with drafting the United Nations Declarations of Rights of Indigenous Peoples, which took more than a decade of conversations and negotiations to create. On Thursday, September the 13th, 2007, the United Nations voted by a vast majority for the declaration to pass. Both True Tracks and the Declaration of Rights for Indigenous Peoples assert the right to self-determination. In the UN Declaration, this assertion is stated as Indigenous peoples have the right to self-determination. By virtue of that right, they freely determine their political status and freely pursue their economic, social and cultural development. 
Now, all of this leads directly back to the colonial concept and languaging of ownership. The world of ownership, copyright, and trademarking is difficult terrain when it comes to Indigenous storytelling. The delegation of creative roles and credits denotes chain of responsibility within a creative ecosystem, yes, but it also delegates remuneration that aligns with the assigned or self-assigned responsibilities, which basically translates as the higher in the food chain, the more money you were paid. However, this doesn't necessarily mean that the people who work the most, sacrifice the most, are the ones that are paid the most. And this is where we begin to find a consistent and unique challenge for our storytellers. This bone breaks apart the obsession with individualism in the storytelling sector. Me, me, me. I am the writer. I am the creator. I am the director. I am the change. I am the face of the faceless and the voice of the voiceless. It asks, how do we see the stories we honour and the stories that we create as an extension of sharing? How do we continue that legacy with minimal amounts of harm and maximum amounts of value for those who share custodianship of stories being held? How can I share any opportunities that I receive with others in my community vertically and horizontally? How do I ensure everyone is looked after? What ways beyond money and a single project can I activate a culture of reciprocity that extends beyond this moment right here and right now? And how do I acknowledge the genealogical ownership of stories that do not belong to me but us? The growing trend of commercializing Indigenous worldviews and knowledges is bringing into question how we demarcate ownership and therefore remunerate storytellers appropriately and ethically. This becomes particularly challenging but necessary dialogue when multiple people or storytellers become source or reference material for quote-unquote one creator or writer. And the truth is that no single story, song, dance, poem out there in the world has come from one mind. And I I just won't hear otherwise, okay? That's the truth, all right? So when we're, when we're looking into the richness of our ancestral stories and story-making ways, there is a responsibility on us, the storytellers, to keep ourselves in check. And Truthfully, Ken, as far as I'm concerned, this conversation of appropriation versus appreciation is a cultural appropriation, is a cultural appreciation, blah, 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 is tired when it comes to capitalism, okay? If you are engaging with your own people's ICIP in the storytelling industry, you cannot deny that capitalism is capitalism. Extraction is extraction. And although white supremacy is an enabler, it is not the sole benefactor. This bone acknowledges that with ICIP, there are multiple and vast genealogies of custodianship that need to be acknowledged and honored in storytelling from conceptualization to production. It nurtures conversations about how remuneration is reciprocated, is integral 
to the life cycle of a project and it resists, it rejects and is skeptical of any system and any person that elevates individual credit and remuneration over collective. Barry Barclay, who I mentioned earlier, was a Maori filmmaker and writer, was Ngati Appa and Pakeha. And he also was a longtime advocate for Indigenous story sovereignty. In the first chapter of Matua Barry's book, Maori Treasures and Intellectual Property Rights, he linked the global industrial effort to patent seeds, especially new genetic variants, to Indigenous sovereignty. I want to leave you with this thought from the first chapter called From Free Onwards. He says, When speaking on the languaging of stewardship, in using that word, I was signaling that I was taking the position that with domesticated species in particular, humans are stewards of the evolutionary destiny of plants. No one generation should take it upon itself to claim ownership or sovereignty over that destiny. Or should it be left free to plunder its potential in the space of a few decades? It seemed to me then, and still does, that life is too precious to be squandered by a few wanting to greatly enrich themselves at the expense of others. And that's all for our sixth episode of the Unravel podcast. If you like our work, you can support our podcast or Studio Kin by subscribing, sharing, becoming a patron, or buying us a coffee via the links in our show notes. You can leave us a review, shoot us a message, or let us know your thoughts, or sign up to the newsletter to stay up to date with our projects. Our hero illustration was created by our sexy sister, Elsie Andrews. Audio was recorded and edited by myself. Thanks for listening, Kim. Take care, Annie. More there.